previously on the Untitled Beatles podcast. I thought, like, maybe this week we just go through the Beatles catalog and pick out one or two favorite moments from each album. We went long, so we've split this into two parts. We now present for you part two. As Big Audio Dynamite once said, I'm going to take it to, I'm going to take it to, part two. I don't quote Mick Jones a lot. Untitled Beatles podcast. I know we just did the Revolver deep dish uh, not too long ago, and we probably went over a lot of stuff, but uh, I love hearing all the kind of off-mic moments, such as like that cough during Norwegian Wood that you can only hear on the mono version. Mm -hmm. But there's a moment in I'm Only Sleeping in the decay of of the band right before the yawn comes in, which I think that's Paul. But uh, you hear somebody yelling something off mic, like in my head, it's George Martin, but that wouldn't make any sense because he's not in the room with them when they're recording. Uh, So I don't know. But there's some voice going like "Ah," or something in the back. It's super evident. I love you can it does. It's not buried. You can hear pretty clearly. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I love the pet sounds four disc sets where you get to hear the musicians working. I think I really enjoy listening to the. The, the work, the craft as it's being created. And uh, that's an element of it. Also, I don't know if, did you ever notice in Yellow Submarine that Ringo's voice cracks going into the final chorus? In our yellow, in our yellow submarine. submarine. I don't know if it's a favorite moment of mine, but I noticed it. Ringo was, that's the next episode. I noticed it, <laughs> Beatles moments. Uh, Ringo, yeah. Ringo was a huge fan of the Brady Bunch. And in the Peter Brady episode where he started, his voice starts to crack. <laughs> You ever heard Ringo's uh na 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 Yeah, that was I uh, <laughs> The Brady Six. That's right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was before they were the silver platters. I think they were called the Brady Six. <laughs> anyway, that's deep Brady Bunch. We're, shit. We're, and the, it's okay. what was it, the electric banana? That was remember the episode where Greg was caught smoking and oh, it was yeah. because he went <laughs> He wanted to join that band, the Electric Banana or whatever it was. Banana convention. What's that one they haven't aired since then where Joe Namath fucked Marsha? Did I? (laughs) Oh, my nose. (laughs) Oh, my nose for the first time in my life. Great plastic on a band outtake. John, the Beatles love the Brady Bunch. That was his scrambled eggs. <laughs> All right, that's uh, that's absolutely oh, amazing. Lord. So since we did talk about Bravo already, I'll very quickly say. Uh, on my list of all-time favorite songs, and there's at least three different mixes of this, is I'm Only Sleeping. Um, The way that it's performed, the backwards guitars on the stereo, the mono, and the U.S. mono all come in on different places. It's really fucking weird that this great song has three different available mixes that uh, are all very different and, and still just incredible.
But uh, I'm Only Sleeping to Me is definitive mid-period Beatles, and that's a favorite moment of mine. I'll say quickly, the other thing we talked about on the podcast, the, the guitar lick on And Your Bird Can Sing and the harmonies, the exuberance yeah. of that, that sounds like an early Beatles song filtered through a mid-60s weedy Beatles lens. And my last one on this, Tony, is uh, Paul, at the end, it got to get you into my life, especially in the mono version where he starts scatting as the horns are going all crazy. Uh, in the mono version, especially where there's an extra like eight or nine seconds of Paul riffing. That's one of my favorite Beatle moments ever. It just shows you. And that's that song about pot, as we talked about. Right. Paul's committing to it like it's maybe I'm amazed about Linda. I mean, his commitment to the song is just outrageous. I was alone. I took a ride. I didn't know what I would find there. Another road where maybe I could see another kind of mind there. And suddenly I see you. Did I tell you I need you? Every single day. Well, then we get into Pepper, as the fans say, as insiders say, Pepper. (laughs) (laughs) Beatle insiders call it Pepper. Hashtag Pepper. You know, you, it's, it's like when we refer to songs, we refer to them as Rita, Mr. Kite, Hole. <laughs> <laughs> well, my favorite moment in Better, uh, the Jimmy Nickel-inspired Getting Better. What is it, the third verse? It's when the, the band drops out and that that droning tambura comes in for, like, the Lennon lyrics of, I used to be cruel to my woman, I beat her and kept her apart from the things she loved. There's something about how that tambora really creates the atmosphere of like, oh, we're going to get dark here. You know, this is, it's getting better all the time. But then... I used to be cruel to my woman. I beat her and kept her apart from the things that she loved. Man, I was mean, but I'm changing my seat. There's this darkness lurking underneath everything, which is why that's a great song, I think, the dichotomy. It is a favorite of mine for the same reason, Tony, and this album is some of the best John and Paul collaborative moments, and that is one of them. Even just, uh, you're right about the drone that begins just before the most kind of violent and one of the most dark Beatle lyrics on record. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's absolutely one of my favorites as well. But John coming back with It Can't Get No Worse after Paul sings I've Got to Admit It's Getting Better is such a classic (laughs) John and Paul moment. And it's why they just work so brilliantly together. Because uh, Paul didn't go, yeah, you know, I don't really think that's... Paul takes a lot of shit. But other than George not playing lead guitar on Hey Jude... I don't think I, I don't think Paul was like a dick. I think he he yes anded a ton of stuff. Like oh, if, yeah, if you're totally. precious about the song called "Getting Better" and your writing partner goes, oh, "I'm going to come in here and say it can't get no worse," you're probably going to wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's not. But Paul just agreed to so much, 
and I think that his ability to kind of understand John is what made him the ideal collaborator for him, especially in those years. Yeah. He flat out said that he loved that aspect of writing with John was that he would come in with this thing and John would give him an opposite that would fit in perfectly like a puzzle piece, you know? So yeah, it's great. It's great. And th- yeah, it's similar to we can work it out, you know, try to see it my way. And then life is very short. You know, it's just, that's where those two really the, the yin and yang, or as we said on the Norwegian cruise lines, the yang and the yang. <laughs> <laughs> what? No, why would you do that? Because it was it was the spa, right? I think it was called the yin yang spa. It wasn't yin, it was yang. <laughs> my uh, my castmate, uh, Mitchell Fain, always pointed Mitchell that Fain. out. Yeah. Oh, he's the best. He's, he's the great. best. Yeah, he always pointed that out and really pronounced it when we had to mention it on our cruise ship sketches. <laughs> Are you going to the Ying Yang Spa? Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I worked with that cat a bunch on ships, and he's just so funny. Um, yeah. Ying Yang is also a lyric. There's a <laughs> there's a country song from a couple of years ago that they used to play in NFL broadcasts. I don't know if it was Brooks and Dunn or you know or Horse <laughs> and them. Buggy or one of those. <laughs> And the song, all I remember, and I, I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm just, the song went, and I went, come in to your city. Every gang gang got you in the ding day. It was just one of those, like, nonsense Jesus country Christ. words where, like, white cracker country dudes loosely trying to rap to a country beat. Every gang gang got him in the ding dang. On. Like, it's terrible. It's Brooks and Dunn or Big and Rich or Riding and Dirty. I don't know what. Barrels and suspenders. <laughs> Dirt and clown makeup. I'll be flying higher than a jetliner. And if you want a little bang in your yin yang, come along. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> A couple other favorite moments uh, on pep- Pepper yeah, for pepper. me are um, there's the solo during uh, Within You, Without You, the, the long sitar solo. But there's a moment in it and it's around three minutes, five seconds where it snaps like a like a like a rubber band. Like, yeah. And to me, it's always like Dennis the Menace took over the sitar for a minute <laughs> and like <laughs> used it to like <laughs> flick a pebble at the <laughs> Mr. Whomever. Dennis! Nemesis <laughs> Charles <Yeah>. Grodin. <laughs> I've always liked that. And then, of course, the zippy, whatever that, what's that effect on Lovely Rita? Is it a comb? Lovely Rita, meet a maid. Nothing can come between us. When it gets dark, I tow your heart away. And they, they just do it once, and it's like, in the first like 25 seconds of the song it's in the first verse it's this weird little moment i know that sound comes back again but it's more it, it makes sense with the and the famp the song famp 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 they bring it back for that yeah exactly but that first one that they do is just like what is that it's great when i first heard that when i first heard sergeant pepper that was like oh i love this band yeah, that whole piano solo in Lovely Rita is probably one of my favorite. And that's George Martin playing at half speed. One of the few times he did this. Oh. Played at half speed and then they sped it up to double time it so it would sound the way it sounds. Rita!
other two on my list, um, and they're kind of connected. The Pepper Reprise in Today in the Life is... I've seen that criticized as being too show tuny, as being too kind of vaudeville as being too kind of Vegasy. Mm. But given the spirit and shtick of the format of that album, and I, I don't say that uh, derisively, the spirit and the shtick of the album, pretending that they're a different band doing all these styles was glorious. That's why that Sgt. Pepper Priest has never offended me. I love the way... It starts with the the leftover clucking from uh, it's mm-hmm. my favorite Mama's Family episode. <laughs> <laughs> leftover clucking. <laughs> Harvey Corman on a very special Mama's Family. Um, but yeah, that's uh, and you hear John go bye as Paul's counting it down. The whole oral a u r a l, not o r a l. The whole oral soundscape getting into the reprise, especially the mono version with the different applause uh, and and laughter effects. And then you get into a song that I'm not making a joke. I always had to preface it because I say such stupid shit. I need to let you know when I'm being serious. <laughs> one of my favorite composers who wrote one of my two favorite musicals, a West Side Story. Leonard Bernstein said this of A Day in the Life back in 67. Quote, three bars of A Day in the Life still sustain me, rejuvenate me, inflame my senses and sensibilities. It was a big deal in 67 for Leonard Bernstein to, to praise the Beatles. It, it, it's, right. it sounds dumb now, but yeah. That was a big fucking deal three years after they came to America to have Leonard Bernstein, one of the preeminent American conductors and composers ever, to praise the Beatles. And uh, obviously the orchestral moments in Day in the Life, the bridge, uh, uh, Paul McCartney's bridge, woke up, fell out of bed, going into the Oz, and the final bum, 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 before John goes in for the last verse, even talking about it makes my eyes water. (laughs) That is the most emotional moment on a Beatles record. And the fact that it's perfect, John and Paul, the fact that Ringo's drumming is so propulsive and tasteful. I use that word a lot with the Beatles because that's just what they were. They were just masters of taste. Day in the life is almost underrated within the Beatles catalog. It is, uh, you can make a case that it's the greatest Beatles composition ever on record. So that's a favorite moment. And the orchestral moments, especially just grab me. on to Magical Mystery Tour. So actually the title cut contains one of my favorite moments and that's at the that's at the end of the bombast and all the horns and the roll up and the 
there's a, the last like 20 seconds of the song is like this little strange jazzy tea room band mm-hmm. that's kind of spooky and there's bells like clanking metal sounds and The actual song itself is it's it's fine. It's not one of my favorites. I think mm-hmm. it's it's fine. It's like this thing is showing itself to be like this big bombastic to do, and I'm like, ah, I'm not so interested. And then it turns its back on me and walks away and makes this mysterious trek towards a door. And it, I'm intrigued. I want to walk towards that door to see what where what is this about? And that's how you wind up at Liberty University. <laughs> What's behind this door? I know the Reverend Graham. What else can I find? Oh, does the Reverend Graham's son? Is he watching his wife fuck a, another man? Oh, uh, like Jesus wanted. Well, time for Brooks and Dunn. <laughs> Every ding yang got him in the ding ding. Then we rolled on into camp and scared the hell out of Marilyn Manson. Yeah, man, that's uh, the, what I love about that is the way Paul's bass is still kind of playing when the music gets weird. So it's still kind of holding it down. Paul's bass is in the same key. Yeah. And the and the band's going off and the do 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 do. It just yeah, it, it that is a great call. And it's a cool moment because without that, if the song had ended with coming to take you away, take you today and just kind of fade it out like that, it would feel kind of like empty calories the beetle weirdness that i love the kind of jazzy tea room description you 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 gave it that's a great call i love that yeah yeah like you said if it had ended with just like take you today it'd be so show toony like i right. see them all on their knees you know <laughs> like you know well doing like the your mother thing. should know like yeah the, yeah, <laughs> yeah. basically this is paul coming out in full show tune mode um <laughs> A favorite moment of mine, that's a great call. Uh, excuse me, not a favorite moment, a curious moment of mine is how loud Ringo's harmonies are in flying. Ringo or Zero Mustel, you know, it's just like it's, 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 it's. He's like the lead vocalist, and they're they're only their second instrumental song for you, Cry for a Shadow fans. Don't give me shit about Twelve Bar Original. It wasn't officially released. I'm not gonna put up with it. I'm talking to our legions of fans, not you. Um, but yeah, I mean, another favorite of mine of Magical Mystery Tour, by the way, we have to say this, the first American album, the only one that yeah. made its way into Be- Beatles canon. Yeah. So much respect. It's I love in the reissue seeing the Rainbow Capital label. It, it's kind of... Do you remember when Capital cheaped out in the 80s and stopped printing the book that came with Magical Mystery yeah, Tour? Yeah, that's the, and that's put, the like, one I have. And put like a purple bar... Yeah, a fucking yeah, I forgot about that purple bar. I love that album cover by the way. And under Me too, the, it's so the, great. The picture of them in their outfits, you would say like includes a 24-page full-color booklet or whatever it said. The version I bought at uh Coconuts or Peaches or whatever the fuck it was in the suburbs uh had that purple bar over covering that. So it was a gatefold yeah. and you whatever, but no booklet. And I was always like, ah, oh, yeah. 
what I wanted. I think my friend, my friend Matt, his dad had a copy of it with the booklet, but it was kind of tattered. But I would I would go over to his house and be like, oh, I want to look at the booklet. You know? Yeah, right. <laughs> they, they later they restored it for I think the last two vinyl pressings in the eighties and the nineties when they redid the catalog in 88 and then the, for the CDs and uh, or based on the CD masters in 95, they had the limited edition ones. They did restore the booklet, but yeah, from like, I don't know, 78 to 85 or something, you could not buy it with, yeah, with the booklet, which is so fucking weird. But, uh, Penny Lane to me and Penny Lane and Strawberry Fields, we talked about when we did the singles episode, but I'll just say Penny Lane's almost become cliche because of how well we know it. But I think back to the first time I heard that song with the piccolo trumpet and all the different things going on. The um, the fireman rushes in, the sound of the you know, Ringo playing the, the the bell. There's so many oral things going on in that song. As much as you could argue Strawberry Fields might be the more interesting composition, I've always loved the overall production and execution of Penny Lane. It's so gorgeous. Penny Lane, there is a fireman on an there's another bit in there that made my favorites list and that is the inexplicable lion's roar during penny lane <laughs> i am blanking where's the lion's roar in penny lane oh oh it's in there it's towards the end it's it, i think it, it goes like right before the the chorus like the last chorus Is it a lion's roar? I always thought that was a percussive. Yeah, you're talking about like, I thought that was a percussive element. I've always heard it as like a whatever, some sort of animal roaring. It could be a tiger or a lion, whatever it is. Whoa, but okay. I always heard like roar. Penny Lane is in my yeah. Well, that's I. The Beatles briefly before Brian Epstein died had a deal with Frosted Flakes. <laughs> and I, I don't know if, in fact, that's where "Good Morning, Good Morning" came from originally, and then they followed up. With, <laughs> Uh, one of my favorite moments. I know you keep talking about uh, God. Yeah, I'll keep talking about God until you <laughs> convert, Holmes. <laughs> Another favorite off Magical Mystery Tour is the final song, which was the single "All You Need Is Love." Um, but I love when he sings "She Loves You" at the end of it, and it sounds so. There's something plaintive and sad about it that I just love. I just love it. It's it's a neat moment because it also ties that the quickly running away Beatles career to their past, which I think is, is kind of really neat too. And that moment, Paul McCartney does that again on tug of war. When he and Stevie wonder sing, what's that you're doing? They come back and the fade out of the song and go, we love you. Yeah. 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 And I know you keep talking about, Oral things. I wanted to let you know that the initials for "All You Need Is Love" spell out anil. Oh, anil. That's what Mal Evans played on Maxwell Silver Hammer. <laughs> <laughs> chomp chomp. <laughs> Mal, you're not. You're in no tempo. You're not off tempo. You're in a different dimension. No, 
I still think that's the ed- those are the editors. That's Michael Lindsay Hogg making Mal Evans look look bad. <laughs> I swear. When when Peter Jackson gets his mitts on this and we finally see it next year, I'm sure Mal's gonna be in time with the band. Okay. I guarantee you. <laughs> let's let's hope so. That's that's the only reason I want to see the restored let it be is to see if Mal Evans sounds less ridiculous. Bang, 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 bang. <laughs> terrible. Um let's let's move on to uh, uh, you want to do White Album or Yellow Submarine? I guess yeah. next should be the White Album. White Album, yeah. yeah. Can you take me back where I came from? Can you take me back? Can you take me back where I came from? Brother, can you take me back? Can you take me back? Can you take me where I came from? Can you take me I love Yoko's vocal debut on Bungalow Bill. That to me is just fun. Not when he looks so fierce. Yeah, yeah. When I first heard that, I was like, whoa, (laughs) it's just fun. I mean, White Album is my favorite album, so there's a few favorite moments of mine. Uh, Helter Skelter has two of them, and they're both screams. I'm sure you can guess. Obviously, Ringo's famous scream. The first time I heard that, it was just great. And then the other is when Paul, when Paul screams Helter Skelter in that high-pitched register, that sent chills down my spine. Yeah. That especially in mono. Which mono, which doesn't have the, the song come back the way the stereo one does, which is weird. But the Paul scream right. in the mono one is just, oh, yeah, that, that gets me too. That to me was metal. Not the Pink Floyd album. The Pink Floyd song. <laughs> that what the album's echoes. No, the song's echoes on the album metal. I don't know. Drugs are bad, everybody. <laughs> I mean, we, we we could argue that Sid Barrett is to Phil Collins. He's more like <laughs> Phil Collins and Peter Gabriel, right? In terms of how the band just so improved after he <laughs> Also, another conversation we need to have at some point. We're both Beach Boys fans. Uh, you have always said Kokomo over Caroline, no. And we got to get to the bottom of that at some point. <laughs> I've been sitting on the joke well, for know, 10 minutes. <laughs> uh, briefly, Caroline, no, was originally Carol, I know. Really? And that was, yeah, Brian Wilson overheard it as Caroline, no. Yeah. Well, um, Marty Demock got his hands on that, and it became Caroline, yes, and. And I think we all learned a lot from why say no when you can. It's the first Marty Demott reference in a Beatles it podcast. Is. It ever. is. I met him at the Gingerman Tavern. I met him with Ginger Baker. So we're, we're in a very similar. Um, I, I do, and this might be weird coming for me, but Tony, you are your potential. So I just lost my notes. Let me get to my white album notes. I'll give you a couple here. I think my favorite, uh, the one that sticks out most to me, what Paul accomplished on Martha, my dear, is another one we're in lesser hands. In lesser hands, that song would sound kind of like bullshit. In Paul's hands, it feels significant and buoyant and beautiful. The piano intro is great. The, the, when the brass section comes in, it's great. The falsetto is great. The fact that it's about his dog is great. So Martha, my dear, again, in the category of underrated, I think, McCartney songs. And I've always loved it. Martha, my dear, 
is there any moments that you like from it? Uh, you know, it was tough for me to come up with quote unquote moments from the white album. The white album is always, a, a, how do I put this? I, I love the white album, but the white album has always been the hardest album in the Beatles catalog. I'm not including side two of yellow submarine. When I say this, it's been the hardest album for me to digest at, I way, way prefer the White Album as an album than individual songs. Like, I, I, I sure love Dear Prudence, and of course, While My Guitar Gently Weeps. I love Revolution Number 1. Um, you know, Julia and I Will, the songs are great, but I've just, all when I think of the White Album, because it's so disparate, and it's the four of them largely doing their own solo albums on, on two Beatles records, uh, it's hard for me to pull individual <laughs> songs and moments from that album. It doesn't mean I don't love it. It just, I, I feel like that album is about the sum of its parts in total. What about the 14th time the engineer says number nine on Revolution yeah. 9? That's my favorite one. Number nine? Can't do it. I love how people, I think you're one of those people <laughs> who are like, well, the new, uh, the new remix, it finally makes sense. No, it's basically the fly on the wall from Let It Be Naked, but, you know, slightly more Stockhausen, you know? <laughs> oh, nice. I love it. Yeah. Avant-garde a clue. Uh, <laughs> well, let's do Yellow Submarine. Um, yeah. I mean, there's not too many to pick from, but uh, I always loved in that song, only a northern song, there's that harmony that comes in just on the word brown. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's so George. Uh huh. It doesn't really matter what clothes I wear or how I Then the word brown becomes pretty. Uh-huh. It's great. I thought. I think that's a funny, very George choice. When another song Tony Mendoza loves, Mrs. Brown, you've got a lovely <laughs> daughter. <laughs> Did you ever see that movie Meet the Feebles? Uh, uh-uh, I haven't. It was. It was like a. The, the most it was supposed to be like the Muppets. It's like the most disgusting Muppets movie ever. It was like the early '90s, maybe late '80s. But they do a version where this rat or whatever is singing a version of of that <laughs> Herman Termitz <laughs> song. That the, it's an original though, and it's the guitar. Anyway, <laughs> we, we, we used to do a van bit that was Mrs. Daughter, you've got a lovely brown, which was never really appropriate or <laughs> a lovely Henry. hot brown if you're in Louisville. <laughs> Excuse me, Louisville. <laughs> Hot Browns chicken, it tastes better. Browns chicken, it tastes better. Oh, too soon. Too soon, Palatine. That's right. I'm sorry. That was a They never solved that. Uh, the Browns chicken murder? No, they did solve it. They did solve it. Oh, I, I, they solved it a, a couple years ago. Finally, like uh, one of the girlfriends uh, confessed that it was her boyfriend or something. Then they didn't solve the uh, the Tylenol. That's still unsolved. Yeah, Tylenol is unsolved. If we're doing Chicago mysteries, Cr- crazy. Let's get yeah. let's get Geraldo. I want to talk. Can we make an episode? Where we just talk about Geraldo, who went from being John Lennon's buddy to being Sean Hannity's bitch. How far one can and in the middle he. Held the nation hostage trying to blow up a, a Capone vault that was nothing. <laughs> that was one of the first, like, Channel 9's making it big. Seven's got Oprah, but we got Geraldo going to blow up a vault. And then it was nothing. Yep, nothing. Yeah, some well, buckets we'll talk Because Her- Geraldo, he's part of Beatles lore, and he's really become yeah. just the ultimate ass bag. 
He is. He's he's an ass bag. But I always put him on the periphery. He was there for a minute during, and it was just Lennon. It's not like he was hanging out with anybody else, right? Yeah, I think it was just John and Yoko in New York because he was working for WABC uh, at the time. But uh, I'll do my Yellow Submarine one, and this is a favorite song and a favorite moment, my favorite piano lick in Beatles history. forget this song which was recorded when they were making of the video for lady madonna and they made it up and improvised it which we'll get to when we do past masters volume two in six hours (laughs) but the uh lady madonna uh video they were just fucking around and came up with hey bulldog and the moments when they're cracking each other up and barking that to me uh is just a perfect it shows that even as the beatles were getting into the end stage of their time together that they still loved each other loved doing bits and loved laughing yep i love hey bulldog i especially love when john's like quiet okay quiet quiet it's <laughs> great and they do they listen they do yeah but i love the moment before he says quiet where paul seems to be just going <laughs> ape shit like paul's <laughs> lost his mind he's like it's just like, and john's going you got it you got it that's it uh, man so good what do you say? You know any Well, moving on, let's do Abbey Road. More like Shabby Road, thumbs down. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll start off by saying, because there's so many great moments here, but forgive how cliched this is. The entire medley, starting with You Never Give Me Your Money all the way through the end, it just counts because it's it's unlike anything other than Red Rose Speedway. It's the best medley on any, uh, oh, give me one more kiss. I, didn't, I love it. That's one I love. And also I'm like, oh, Paul, I often think those same things at the same time. Um, but the George Martin orchestral when the uh, right before the final boy, you're going to carry that weight when the when George Martin's orchestra comes in with the yeah when the it's so loud and it's not annoying i can't explain it but that moment you know what i'm talking about where yeah yeah i hear brass in that the brass is mixed so loud and it should be too much but it's not it should be bombastic but it isn't that's one of my favorite moments that George Martin contributed to any Beatles record because it helps bring it home. Then it quiets down for the for the final harmonies for the last verse. Then it p- picks back for the bum, 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 but for that final, I mean, yeah. it, it's talk about, obviously Let It Be was the last to be released. Abbey Road, the last to be recorded. And um, to, to ride out your career and your legacy like that, no other band's ever going to be able to accomplish that. I'm sorry, it sounds, it sounds like a lot of hubris, but I mean it. Who could end their career that way? Yeah, and I think that's why I think that's why it was so high in the mix. I think in the context of their entire unit as a band, they were committing to tape this this big goodbye. So, I think that's why that works. I think that's why it's not too much. I think while you're listening to this record, you know what's happening like on a on a greater scale, you know.
I'm on the A side, so I love I Want You, She's So Heavy, and there's two moments mm. in that. It's that scream he does. Yeah. That, yeah, where he breaks. And then you also hear off mic, you can hear some, I don't know if it's Paul or whomever, you hear someone else shouting during the take, which also happens in your blues too, which I just love. Yeah. I want you. I love the hard cut out to end the side. Yeah, that's that's the crippling thing about Abbey Road digitally is that it just flows right into Here Comes the Sun without having to change anything (laughs) on the record. You take it off and go, oh, shit. Oh, shit. And Here Comes the Sun brings you back. Yes to that. What a great moment. The way it just cuts out. Just like side, the end of side two, Tony, too. Oh, yeah. Um, Her Majesty ends the same way. Yeah, with the cut note. You're right. I never thought about that. Both, yeah. both are hard cuts. That's so great. I love that, too. That almost made my list. And in fact, it will. I Yeah. When you hear, when you've heard the repaired version of Her Majesty with that final chord, I don't dig it. I like it when it cuts on the weird, like the trip note. Well, and they meant for it to go into Polythene Pam, right? I think mm-hmm. it went yeah, it me and Mr. Mustard into... Her Majesty into Polythene Pam. That's why some that's why the chord is kind of there to begin it. was that yeah they pulled it out of the medley and just tacked it at the end of the tape and they were listening to a playback of the tape and this time happened and then this thing came on and they were like let's keep that i mean that's one of those it's a beautiful it's a you know another example of a happy accident and the way it that ends the beatles career without really ending it because the fact that it never resolves i think kind of maybe subconsciously in that age from 70 on made or excuse me from 69 on made people wonder if they would come back they never finished the end of her majesty it didn't it it unequivocally didn't end i mean maybe there was a psychological <laughs> thing there i don't know i like that i like that yeah and that's why that's why you have kurt claudio at your doorstep so we met you know i'm just a guy man who writes songs we can only say hello and what else is there yeah, yeah I, I figured that we met I'd know, you know, just by reading. But know what? 
you know, if what I was thinking was true. Well, what were you... Is it true? Well, I guess not. Right, I'm just a guy, man. I, I have Kirk Claudia at my doorstep. I have Magic Alex in my closet. I mean, I got a whole. Uh, <laughs> I, got, I, I got a lot of solo Jimmy Nickel records. I've got Best of the Beatles. That's Pete Best singing Money. Oh, yeah. I, I had that on tape. That's right. I forgot about that. Oh, Lord. Um, all right. So let it be. I, so there's a, there's a thing during Dig It that I like a lot. So, you know, like a Rolling Stone, like the FBI, the CIA, he's doing this wordplay game, right? And then right before he says, dig it, he's, he shouts out, Matt Busby. Matt Busby, <laughs> dig it. Uh-huh. Which has nothing to do with anything. Uh-uh. It doesn't fit into the FBI thing. And so, yeah, Matt Busby, he was a Manchester United football manager. And, uh, yeah, he was well-respected. I guess he, he, he did really well. Uh, <laughs> but I just, I love it. It's like saying Kirby Puckett or whatever if you're American. <laughs> it's, it, it's like I'll never forget in the on the Pearl Jam album, Vitology, they end Better Man with chanting for Pat Riley. I mean, I'll never... I'll never <laughs> <laughs> exactly, I love, exactly. I love making up music facts. That should be... That's our next show. That's our Twitch show. We just make up, make up music facts. But oh, that's... Yeah. Uh, that, listen, that's 77 million Americans are doing that right now with saying Trump won. If you yeah, make man. stuff up and say it convincingly enough, your life's really, really good. Yeah, just put a Facebook oh, logo behind you and people believe it. Right. It's just, just yeah. amazing. Yeah, I, I love and I also love uh, one thing Phil Spector did right in something that album was keeping John's mock, reverent intro to Let It Be. It's kind of a fuck you and kind of it takes the piss out so the song doesn't begin as seriously as it ordinarily would without that. I mean, it's the benefit yeah. of, of a quote-unquote new phase Beatles album. I know you don't love the song Let It Be. I love the song <laughs> Let It Be. And the I, I love both versions. The album version, that George solo that just rips through the speakers to me is my preferred version. I feel like it yeah. gives it some balls. However, the single version, you hear Billy Preston's organ with more clarity. So both mm. versions have their merits, but... The album version of Let It Be is the one I'll still put on mixes because it's just George. It's clearly overdubbed. And again, it should be too much and too big, and it's not. Yeah, yeah. All that Let It Be chatter makes my favorite moments of the album. Like, just that it opens. So here we have another album that opens with a vocal. I Dig a Pygmy by Charles Hawtrey and the Deaf Aids. Phase one in which Doris gets her oats. But I love all that chatter, and especially before Get get Back, uh, the picture of the fingers and <laughs> sweet Loretta Hart, you know, Donald and all that. Donald was a cleaner. And Paul's warming up. Rosetta. Paul's kind of yeah. doing it. Yeah, yeah. And then at the end, when they, when they go from the rooftop concert and you hear Maureen, Ringo's wife. Yeah, I, I don't yeah, know if they're married yet. Yeah. Forget it. Thanks, Mo. <laughs> Thanks, Mo. I love thanks, Mo. Me too. I love it. I actually prefer that than the, you know, the heralded John Lennon quote that ends the whole thing. You know, yeah. I just thanks, Mo. I, I love the heralded Lennon quote, but I always felt like the laughter at the end felt canned or forced. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a little like sitcom <laughs> <Yeah>. sweetened. <laughs> 
but yeah, Definitely. that's. I mean, I, I love the Let It Be album. I will say also a favorite moment is, and I've got a feeling using John's "Everybody Had a Hard Year" snippet. That of course, there's the acoustic demo of him just kind of playing that. Everyone had a hard year. Uh, using that to help flesh out, I've got a feeling to serve as like a bridge that then becomes a counterpoint with Paul singing the I Got a Feeling medley or melody and uh, John doing his counterpoint. That's a magical Beatles moment. It it was two fragments fused together, but it still sounds collaborative, and I love it for that reason. I've got a feeling. A feeling. Also, I Me Mine, which we talked about before, the last Beatles song ever recorded. I love I Me Mine. I love that it's a waltz that goes into a fast four for the bridge where they just repeat the words I Me Mine again with great Ringo drumming. I Me Mine, some of the most underrated Ringo drumming, I think, on record. Yeah, he had that new kit. It was a five-piece kit from Ludwig. And yeah, he was trying new stuff during that era. It's great. It's all great. Well, let's let's quickly uh, deal with the past masters. Uh, past masters slash uh, mono masters slash the songs left off the British albums. Do you have a right, couple right. from the past masters that uh, that that I make do. your list? Yeah, I like in uh, I call your name. I love when the cowbell comes in, or at least on the stereo version, it comes in in a strange time, like on a three <laughs> <Yes>. or something. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And that's my preferred version. That's one where I actually like the stereo version better than the mono because of just because of that quirk. It's so weird. It's I call your name two, three, four, ding, ding. And you're not there. Comes at the weirdest place. Yeah, I guess it does come in on a one, but it's just it's it comes in out of nowhere. Don't let Mal Evans play cowbells. That's what we learned. <laughs> Mal, get out of the bathroom. You're starting. Uh, I love the weird high-pitched guitar note that starts the solo, guitar solo, of Long Tall Sally. My favorite Beatles cover, Long Tall Sally. That guitar solo is cuckoo. <laughs>
Long Tall Sally's on my list too for with all due respect to Little Richard that's Paul McCartney out Little Richarding Little Richard Paul McCartney's vocal yeah. on Long Tall Sally is outrageous and another one on Past Masters that made my list is an original song they wrote to sound like Little Richard and that's I'm Down with John's yeah. organ playing we, we forget because the video of him at Chase Stadium losing his mind is so funny but <laughs> even on the original recording John's organ is wild and weird and uncomfortable and fitting and it works yeah. how can you laugh when you know I'm down <laughs> His rhythm is good. Yeah, it's great. I mean, he's a good rhythm player. He knows rhythm. I mean, listen to that Ed Sullivan All My Loving with his triplets on the rhythm guitar. It's and so fast. Yeah, it's amazing. Hard to do. Um, I'll give you a couple of mine. Uh, she Loves You, the Glenn Miller chord at the end, ending on the ninth. Is that what that is? Yeah, it's I love kinda, it. I'm pretty sure it's a major ninth. I'll give you two more quickly from Past Masters 2. The Lady Madonna piano, I've always just adored. That's Paul aping Fats Domino so well. The Fats Domino later covered the song. Um, and the groove of Billy Preston's organ in Don't Let Me Down. Yeah. That yeah. is not just a brilliant John Lennon composition, but what Billy Preston contributed to that. You know, we always the discussion is the fifth Beatle, George Martin. You know, do you think the fifth Beatle is Andy White? Um, it does, it does, it does. One of the most fun bits ever is putting dumb words into your friend's mouth. Um, but, uh, I, I, I mean, Billy Preston, the work he did on those let it be sessions rendered him a, a serious candidate for fifth Beatle. And then also from that era, when they do uh, You Know My Name, Don't Look Up the Number, the vocal that Paul does, his scream, he sounds like Mick Jagger. He like out Jagger's Jagger on that. It's a, it's, I don't know where he comes up with that, but that scream is one of my favorite actual McCartney moments.
Yeah, man. Great call and a great song. It's such a fun novelty song. John, I read, wanted to release it under the name Plastic Ono Band, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he made, like, Acetates, yeah, right around that cold turkey time. He was trying to make that a single before, obviously, before it was released. It's uh, it's such a great one. Oh, hello. Welcome to Slaggers. It's such a good self-referential <laughs> bit. Um, what else from that, Past Masters? Um, I, I, yeah, little things. Like, I, this is more off-mic stuff. Like, during Old Brown Shoe, you hear somebody say, like, hey, <laughs> it's, it's like the third verse. Little things like that. Hari but, uh, Krishna stealing George's lunch in the right? studio. Like. <laughs> Now, do you hold on? Now, do you have a favorite moment from the the Threedles era from the '90s stuff? I I, I will say, uh, "Free as a Bird." I am. I got so emotional. I got so emotional. But I do all Whitney Houston parodies. You should check it out sometime. WhitneyHoustonParodies.Whitney, and I do Whitney Houston parodies dressed as Whitney Cummings of the TV show Whitney, with the co-star who is apparently a rapist. We could go all day. <laughs> Right? Didn't a million women be like, this guy? No How'd good. you get Dot Whitney? I've been trying to get a Dot Whitney forever. <laughs> you got it when your people run the media. <laughs> um, that's the way it works. That's the way it goes. Um, we'll talk Gontrapo next week. Um, yeah, uh, when Free as a Bird premiered uh, at the very end of the first Beatles anthology, it was the Sunday before Thanksgiving break of 1995. It was in my dorm room in college. And I just watched it and sobbed because, and you and I are similar, similarly aged, Tony, it's the first time in our life that there was a quote-unquote new Beatles song. And yeah. even though Free as a Bird doesn't technically count, the fact that I was witnessing a new Beatles song with the rest of the world in real time will forever touch it, it will forever touch me because I felt like it's the only time in my life I've been a part of a new Beatles single. And I know it's not, but it also is. <laughs> Right? <laughs> well, yeah, that's, I mean, that's the whole point. Nothing's going to change your world, TJ. Right. right. That's why I'm donating that song to the World Wildlife Fund. We need more, more birds. The birds, and the chirping, and the. <laughs> oh, that's so good. That's so good. So, yeah, but, but I mean, you know, they're not, I mean, Free as a Bird and Real Love, God bless you, Jeff Lynn, and God bless the whole Three Dolls and Anthology Project. We can't consider them on the same caliber because John is dead and they're working with demos from the 70s. But they do count. They're part of the Beatles canon. Yeah, Real Love, even the Beatles, even Paul and George and Ringo said it was boring because we just played over a John track. Free as a Bird, they got to play with a bit more. So I do hold the nostalgia of the discovery of the Three Dolls, uh, Free as a Bird, in some high regard. That's the whole reason about the single set was just to have that 45. That's cool, man. Yeah. How about you? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a moment there. No, I don't know. I like those songs, but like, as uh, yeah, I'm glad they happened. I'm glad they happened and I'm glad they got back together. I'm glad they finally did that. What about John Lennon uh, kind of being his talking mixed backwards by Jeff Lynn to sound like he's saying, was it was a John Lennon? At the end of the track. That's kind of cool. Oh, there's I don't even cool, know. I, I don't think I even knew about that. There's a cool backwards vocal that in in the remix a couple years ago, Jeff Lynn mixed out. He's got John oh. Lennon talking in... Uh, it, Interesting. Uh, it's not backwards, John Lennon talking, but in the original version, it was backwards vocal. It sounded like he was saying something about John Lennon to the sound of a ukulele as the song was running out. 
Well, that was fun. That, that, that was great. I mean, again, we, we went a little long, but we neither of us have worked since March. And fuck it. Well, <laughs> what the hell do I care? None of our listeners are working either. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, it's thank you. It, 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 it's also around Thanksgiving. And, um, you know, we have, I just want to say quickly, when this airs, we'll have come a little bit after the anniversary of, uh, be 40 years since John Lennon's been dead. So to be able to spend this otherwise depressing year talking Beatles with you, Tony, and for all of you people who are listening and stay with us, despite our craziness, we, we really appreciate it. it it's, yeah. it's meaningful that the, the those of you who enjoy what we're doing, uh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. We are thankful for that. Three weeks, like belatedly, we're thankful. <laughs> yeah. And we'll wish you a Merry Christmas right around Valentine's Day. That's how we roll. Um, Tony, next week, Bad Boy and Ringo the Fourth will tackle two. Untitled Beatles podcast. Like and subscribe. Yeah, I mean, the story was that, yeah, they pulled it out of the medley and just tacked it at the end of the tape, and they were listening to a playback of the tape. Oh, you and made me cry.